Hello, hello, and what is good? It is episode 89 of the Sims and Lefko podcast. Chris, how you feeling? I feel good. We got no Josh Fendrick. We got the main man Nick in the house. 89. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so what 89s do you got? Let's start off there. All right. Well, You are the non-cheater, so you get to go first. Yeah, Amari Cooper. That's the first name. That was the first one that I came up with. Okay, and then the, another one would be my dad's favorite target. Do you know who that is? I don't. Uh, what a jerk. I mean, you don't even know who my dad's favorite target was? Do you know my dad's favorite employee? Uh, no, but your, no, da- so yeah. was your dad in the na- was your dad in the national media? Did your media? dad run a refrigeration and air conditioning business? <laughs> Who's going to fix the re- refrigerator when it's not working? Is your my dad. Whose dad's going to talk about when he played with Refrigerator Perry? <laughs> your dad. My dad does more. <laughs> no, who's 89? Mark Bavaro. Oh. Right. Mark Bavaro is so funny because every year when the Giants need to draft a tight end, right. it's all always i mean the giants haven't had a tight end since my bavaro i know jeremy shockey was good but mark bavaro right you know it's so funny it's weird we were just uh the other 89s uh mike dicka was an 89 right steve smith is an 89 oh, man, I forgot and doug him. baldwin is it's a lot of those it's like those shifty wide receivers yes uh it's funny we were talking about eric dicka. ebron we were talking about uh i was talking with our resident lions fan greg pearl and we were talking about Eric Ebron. He doesn't look like a bust. I said, Eric Ebron will always, unfortunately, be a bust because he was taking a pick ahead of Odell, and they could have used a wide receiver. Yes. And it's just going to be something that he's going to deal with forever. So what happens when you're a top 10, top 15 pick. It's, it's like- funny because when you look at the Jordan draft, Jordan went three, right? And he and th- they always talk about Sam Bowie. Oh man, I but, grew up watching Sam Bowie. But Olajuwon went ahead of Jordan Jor- too, right, right? But it's just that's you know. okay. I understand that. Yes, that's not. But damn, yeah, I was growing up. I was, and Sam Bowie wasn't bad. No, he wasn't. It's just come on, come on. It's Michael Jordan. All right, so uh, we're gonna have Mike Lombardi on a little bit later, Mister uh, Former Patriot, Mister Bill Belichick, uh, right hand man, Chris Sims, good friend. Yep. That has now a thr- former. Cleveland Browns GM throwing himself into the media in a big, big way. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because I actually got connected with him by Ryan Holiday, the writer we've had on here that wrote Obstacles the Way. And I never reached out, and he hit you up on text and was like, I want to be on. Yes. So we're going to have him on. Yeah. But Mike Lombardi is Mr. I Have Theories. And I like to talk to him as a man. Yeah. So uh, well, this is why our conversations are great. When me and him talk during yeah. the week, I mean, Listen, football is theories. It's always theories. what's the theory I'm going to take to beat this team this yes. week? What's the theory of my team and how I can improve it? That's mm. what it is. So you, you constantly have to be thinking to evolve your football team. Absolutely. Uh, so I have some overarching stuff uh, for the NFL right now as what week are we entering? This is 11. Crazy. I cannot believe it's 11. It's crazy. I remember when you and me were sitting around going, I wish this season would start already. <laughs> Actually, before we keep going, Nick, can you guarantee that we're recording right now? He didn't pull a Fendrick. Just wanted to make sure. Bebe. Okay, so right now, the NFC East, do you know what their their division record is against the AFC? Oh, man, I do not know. The NFC East is 9-1-1 against the AFC. And I would say that we can both say that the AFC is a better conference. Can you name the four? But the NFC East is playing the AFC. You're saying the NFC East, right? Yes. Yeah, the NFC East is playing the AFC North. So It's a little bit all over the place. Yeah. which four teams in the NFL are undefeated at home? Oh, I, I like this new Adam Lefko. 
I uh, got bored. Right. I had three cups of coffee, okay. and I've seen a lot. Four teams undefeated at home. Yes, without – okay, you can look I'm at the teams. I'm just looking at the yeah, teams. Yeah. That's all I would yeah. like to do. Um, Play Kansas, along at home. The Kansas City Chiefs. Correct. Uh, ooh, man, that's not – We talked about this last uh, – on Monday, which team is a lot better at home than on the road. I don't know. You're making me choke even more. Under the Philadelphia question. Eagles. Oh, geez. How did I not know that? Chiefs, I, Eagles. Do you want to guess the other uh, two? Or should I, I just, I'll, I'll give it a quick, a quick run One of them here. makes sense. One of them does not. Hmm. Man. Go ahead. Tell me. Uh, one that makes sense is the Seattle Seahawks. Oh. They play better at home. Stupid. And the fourth team is the Houston Texans. Ooh. Undefeated at home. Makes Yep. Which three teams are undefeated on the road? Oh, wow. This is your one of these should be obvious. We talk about them being better, like amazing on the road all the time. The Oakland Raiders. Yes. Okay. Three teams you said they're yes. undefeated on the road. Oh, the New England Patriots are undefeated yep. on the road. And uh, and okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's got to be nope. Can't be them. Can't. Be, uh oh, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Right. Um. Now I want you to. I'm going to say this. So I'm going to say a division. You tell me who's leading the division. So don't look. Okay. Fine. Okay. I, I should know this. You if should I don't know this. Know this Who is leading the NFC North? The NFC North is Detroit Lions. Yes. Who is leading the AFC North? The AFC North is the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. Who is leading the AFC South? The AFC South. Oh, wait. Uh, that's Houston Texans. Okay. And who is currently leading the AFC West? By all the tiebreakers. The, the Oakland Raiders. The Kansas City oh, Chiefs. Oh, you're right. They're the because they're, they're the, seven and two. They're the two seed right now. So now let me ask you: Yes, Lions in the north, Ravens in the north, Texans in the south, Chiefs in the west. Which one of those is most likely to remain atop the division at the end of the year? Most likely to okay. Well, because I think in all of those, if the Lions, Ravens, Texans, and Chiefs don't win their division, it's not a surprise. But who's most likely to win it? Ooh. Because the Lions, I could see the Vikings, maybe the Packers. The Ravens, I could see the Steelers, maybe not the Bengals anymore. That's falling apart. Uh, the Texans, I could see the Colts or the Titans making a run there. And the Chiefs, the Broncos or the Raiders. Mm. So of those four, who's most likely to maybe win their division? This is a great question. That Thanks. It, re it really is. You you work today. Congratulations for working today. Um. Doesn't happen often, <laughs> but when it does. Gosh. I think if I had to go with any, I wouldn't feel confident about any of those. I know that's I why. Mean, just Kansas City, Houston, Detroit, and who's my other one? Baltimore. Baltimore. I'm going with Baltimore. Okay. To win it, they're my least favorite. Team. Yeah, I know, but I think Baltimore is just going to continue think, to get better. I think the Lions are mine. You think the Lions? I think the Vikings and the Packers are so weak. And I look at the yeah. Lions, and when I see a news today that DeAndre Levy is back practicing for the first time since week one. Yes, Darius I, Slay's back. And I go, ooh, and maybe a healthy Ezekiel Ansah. Right. And I look at the line, and I look at their offensive line compared to the Packers and Vikings, and I go, and the Packers' offensive line is good, but they're a mess right now. Yes. That I kind of like the Lions. The Ravens, to me, are a little bit too boring, and I'm not putting them past the Steelers yet. The Texans, I look at and go, your quarterback threw for 99 yards. Well, you'll have that and answer. I look at I like the Titans. Yes. Um, and then the Chiefs, I just, it's, yeah, they're good, but they have the least prone quarterback. And it's the Alex best. Smith is below Trevor Simeon. They still got to play yeah. all those teams. So I like the Lions. Okay. I, I You know, listen, your, your theory is right. I mean. But the five, Ravens have the best defense, and I look at their offense and their coach, and I go, they have the best coach. I trust Flacco. Yeah. Maybe this will turn around, and the Steelers are weak. 
this year. Steelers are weak. Bengals Even though I tried all, to sell you that the Steelers were really Bengals good. Bengals are all over the place. And, of course, the Browns, which they have all of them on the schedule still. Mm. So that's a good thing. But, yeah, I, 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 the, the NFC North is not good. It's not. It's not. It's really not. It's um, just too many one-dimensional things about all those teams. In honor of Mike Lombardi coming on, I wanted to come out with some of my own theories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to disprove one theory before I give you my theory. Okay. So there's two theories that everyone has, which is the NFL is better when the Oakland Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys are popular. Yes. And I would actually like to argue that the NFL is worse when the Dallas Cowboys are good. And it's not because I don't like the Cowboys. It's because when the Cowboys are good, that's all anybody wants to talk about. Yes. When the Raiders are good, people go, yeah, this is fun. But it, you're not inundated with Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Crabtree. And I feel like that's the team that we should be talking a lot about. Mm-hmm. But with the Dallas Cowboys, it's let's talk about Romo again. Let's talk about Dak again. When it's really a non-issue, but they just, they're the only team that we that we acknowledge what the owner says midweek. Come on. Like... I feel like for nine weeks in a row now we've been going, this is a big test for Dak. If he passes this one, I'll be sold. Yeah. It's, it's every week, but yet we still have the same, are they going to start Romo this week? No, that's over. Get over it. And I'm with you. I, I totally agree. I, th- it gets annoying every time I turn on the TV. It's what drives me crazy about the Cowboys and the Patriots. Yeah. It's the same thing. They same dominate thing. the narrative if they're playing well, which – of course, the Patriots are always playing well for the most part. But it's funny. Bob Kraft and Jerry Jones are on TV more than any other it, owner. It really does bother me. And, of course, they're on TV because, like I've always told you, they are really the, gen- they are really the commissioners of football. Mm. And these networks know that, and they're always going to pay homage to those two owners. I guess the question is, if we're doing this from a news director standpoint, which storylines are bigger than them? Um, I think the AFC West, I'd like people to talk about more because I think it's actually a fantastic division. Um, I'd like to talk about the Chiefs. I think they're a team that's lost like two regular season games in their last like 25. Uh, The Dolphins and what's going on down there with Adam Gase, I think, is a more interesting storyline. This Jared Goff situation, I think, is very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then other than that, the the validity of the Seahawks and the train wreck that is the Packers, I find more interesting than the Dallas Cowboys. With all that said... I'd, I'd like to talk about the Dallas Cowboys really quick. Uh, <laughs> my, my friend Dan Lapone hit me up, and this is one of my dudes. I just um, watched the film, too, so this is perfect. He told me that he thinks that the Cowboys are actually overrated and that they haven't actually played a lot of good teams and they've been able to get by. And here is my theory in honor of Mike Lombardi. Great. I'm calling it the Papa Doc theory. And you need to know 8 Mile to know who Papa Doc is. Papa Doc was the leader of the free world in Detroit, in 8 Mile, and Marshall Mathers had to freestyle rap against everybody to get to Papa Doc. And when he took down Papa Doc, and he called him, his real name is Clarence, and Clarence has some really good parents. Nobody could look at Papa Doc the same, because he had exposed all the flaws in Papa Doc. Yes. I think that the Cowboys are doing what Marshall Mathers did to Papa Doc to every team they play. When they faced the Bengals, the Bengals were a 2-2 two and two team that had just smoked Miami and destroyed Ryan Tannehill. Yep. And now they're 3-5-1. and one. So they're 1-3-1 and one since playing the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. The Packers were 3-1 and one heading into the Cowboys game with a big win over the Giants where they destroyed Eli Manning. And now they're 4-5. and five. So they're 1-4 and, and they're getting pounded by people. 
I think Cincinnati and Green Bay, when they got run all over by Zeke, it demoralized their team and destroyed them. So were they as good as what we thought in the preseason? Maybe not. But I think Dallas was the team that shook the team. And I went through and I looked at the games that Dallas has won. They've literally won in every way possible. Yes, they have. They won a game against Washington that they shouldn't have won. Mm -hmm. They won a game against San Francisco that maybe they looked past early on and, and came back. They got Cincinnati that they were supposed to show that they were a fluke, and they stomped the team. They dominated them. Green Bay was their tough road game against the number one run defense in the NFL. Yep. Philadelphia was a game in which they had to come back from a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter. Yes. Cleveland was the straight-up destroy-a-fool game, right. which you need one of those. And Pittsburgh was a shootout. Yeah. They've won in every single way possible. And while I understand we look at their, their schedule and go, oh, they're not that good, and they're not that good, and they're not that good, look at the NFL standings and tell me how many teams are really that good. Yes. It's the Patriots, it's the Cowboys, it's the Seahawks. Everybody else has flaws. Mm -hmm. Everybody else has flaws. Right. So it's, you've always said this to me, Adam, it's very easy to look back at a schedule and go and, and make reason of why things happened. Yeah. But Dallas has won every way possible, and I think they're the team exploiting the weaknesses of other teams. I, 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 do, I do agree with you there to a, to a certain extent. I mean, the, the one thing they do to teams is they, they physically beat up their defenses too, which they just absolutely physically abuse them, and that can lead into the next week of the game absolutely. as well. So that, that, there, there is something to that. Uh, I agree with everything you said as far as they've answered every challenge. They've really passed every test. That's why I'm so, I'm so sick of talking about the, press, yeah. the Dak Prescott, Tony Romo Well, what did thing. you see on the film? Well, uh, I mean, they're just unbelievable. First of all, I also agree with your friend to a degree. Oh, sure. They're a little overrated. Yeah. And the fact where I do worry about their defense. The problem is they don't really have to worry about any offenses that consistently can throw the ball like Ben Roethlisberger and company. I mean, mm. completions were too easy in that game. He was 37 for 44 mm. for 400 yards. So you're yards. still in the Falcons, Patriots, Saints, I think there's some Chargers could do some depth. For them. Raiders. Right. Uh, now, this week is going to be a lot of fun. Really? Baltimore? Oh. Listen. This will be the clash of the Titans right Oh, because of the monsters that Baltimore has on defense against the monster line of Dallas. Oh, my gosh. This is – if there's one team that's going to take great pride in saying, you know what? So if Zeke goes over 100 yards, you're going to go, Dallas, you're something beyond you're special. You're unstoppable. But if Baltimore holds him to like 65, Dallas is human, yes. at least against a, a and, force like Baltimore. And with this wow, defensive interesting. coordinator, defensive coordinator, and like, like you talked about Flacco, like – Flacco has been better, but he makes like one or two stupid mistakes he every me game. Off so I know much, he's dude. really been doing that. It's been his mo all year. Um, so the line right now is Dallas by seven. Ooh. So you're liking you some Baltimore. I'm picking Baltimore to win the game straight out. I mean, I just made my what? picks. I, uh, I have not made my picks, so now I know not to put money on that game. I'm just thinking. <laughs> well, the, and, and listen, I, I, I mean, I know I've been wrong. It's, it's, but I also look at it and go. Dallas is due for a letdown game. It's been an unbelievable ride. They're eight and one. And Baltimore's that was a, a team that some might sleep on. Yes. And last week was a huge win for the Cowboys. That's all they're being talked about. Like you said, national media right. they beat the and Steelers. And Romo officially gave his Hillary Clinton concession right. speech. And you got Baltimore with ten days of rest mm. coming off a not so tough game against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, so they're and, well rested. Man, and you know, you know how I always tell you about Baltimore. When you watch Baltimore's front seven, I love watching Baltimore film just to watch their defense whoop the shit they play out angry. of people. They do. 
mm-hmm. they take great pride in saying, like, you're not going to push us around. We're going to push you around. That's going to be a great game. I want to touch on this before Lombardi comes on. Yep. Tony Romo gave his speech. He was applauded for it, for coming out. For anyone out there that is saying, uh, hey, listen, I can't believe he did this. Why did he feel like he had to do this? You know this. Who's the PR guy at Dallas? Yeah, Rich. Um Huh, I'm not, Whatever his name yeah. is. You don't have to look it up. Right. The PR guy has probably been inundated for the last eight weeks. Tony, everybody in the world wants to talk to you. Go up there, say this, get it over with. I want to ask you, where would you want Tony Romo to play next season? Uh, I, you know, the, the, the first team that comes right to my head is, of course, the New York Jets. Okay. I mean, I would love to see him come they up They are number four on my where I want Tony Romo to play next year power okay. rankings. Let's see here. Would you like to hear my top five? Uh, yeah, let me hear him. Chicago is not in my top five. Okay. Chicago is one that everyone throws out there because they have, but I don't want Tony Romo in Chicago because I don't think they're ready. Number five, the Minnesota Vikings. I think they have a ready defense. AP comes back. It's a pretty good situation, but they're number five because their O line stinks. Number four is the New York Jets. I think they're a little old in the tooth in terms of a lot of their positions, but I like their wide receiver talent. Um, I just and I would love Tony Romo in New York. Yes. All right, but just real quick, I want to hear your top three. But number five, Minnesota Vikings is stupid. They just traded around a first round. This is pick. where I want him to play. You just want him to play. Not about <laughs> logistics. Okay. 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 <laughs> number three, the Denver Broncos. I know they have Paxton Lynch, but with that defense and those weapons, John Elway might go. You know what? I don't know if Paxton's the guy, and this window of these contracts is going up. I want Tony Romo. Okay. I would love him there. Number and I think two. he'd fit well. Number two, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I gonna, they're the other team that jumps out to they me. They are so talented. Right. He could go down there. If they bring in a coach with him, with Allen Robinson and Allen Hurts, yeah, give him a ring. Uh, and the offensive line and the weapons, I think that could be good. And the number one team that I'd like to see Tony Romo on, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Kansas City, when they get – um, Justin Houston back with D Ford and those corners and that line and those running backs. The Alex Smith project is over. We watched him together on Sunday. I want to bang my head against the wall. He <laughs> does. He's afraid. And then when he's not afraid, he underthrows. Get Tony Romo in Kansas City with Andy Reid. I think that would be unbelievable. It would be pretty cool. I, I listen. I liked your top five. Thank All you. of them are actually very logical, except th- for Minnesota. I yes, mean, Minnesota. I just put over Chicago. It's a dream thing. Yeah, it's right. a dream thing. Right. Chicago would be a good spot too, though. I mean, Chicago. Yeah. Because the Jay Color thing's over. I think Kansas City and Jacksonville would be amazing. Yeah. I do, I do agree. Jacksonville, that would be the perfect guy you if want If you were a GM, would you be willing to put, invest some draft picks and stuff into Tony Romo with all the injuries and yeah, all that stuff? Yeah, and I think also, you don't even have to invest that much. We, should, we could ask Mike this, first of all. Yeah. I mean, Mike would be the perfect. But I don't think you're going to have to invest too many draft picks to get Tony Romo because the, the Dallas Cowboys, are, they're, not gonna, they're paying him too much money mm. for him to sit there and be their backup quarterback. So you're taking a $27 million dollar a year backup quarterback. So that's going to be an issue with the trade, too. All right, so, Mike, can you hear us? Yes, I got you. Welcome. All right, let me give you my top five teams that I'd like to see Tony Romo on next year. Number five, Minnesota. Number four, the Jets. Number three, the Broncos. Number two, the Jaguars. The number one team would be the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of these, like, it's not Minnesota's not happening. He's, just told, he's being a total fan here, Mike. Yeah, it's a and lot of fun. This is Adam Lefko. Very nice for you to meet him finally. Hey, what's up, Mike? Uh, Mike, of those. Is it, are, we, are, we, is it, are we recording? Because I can barely hear you guys. Oh, okay. yes, we're recording here. Bring the phone a little bit over here. Uh, Mike, my question is of those, which one do you think is possible and which one would you like to see? 
Well, you know, I, I don't think Kansas City or Minnesota are even remotely possible. Yeah. Um, I think that those two won't won't happen because they've already got guys in place. I think you have to look at the you have to build this backwards from cap room and quarterback needs. And I think when you look that direction, you certainly would lead yourself to think San Francisco, Chicago, if they make the change with Jay Cutler, <clears throat> Arizona, if they decide they're going to part ways with Carson Palmer. Yeah, I think, you know, Tony's going to want to go to a place where I think he his window is shorter and there's a good team. And I would suspect he's not going to want to be a part of a rebuilding process. Yeah. So it's going to be a good team that has cap room that could fit him in, whether they get rid of a pending uh, a current player uh, or not. Maybe it's the Rams, you know, the Los Angeles Rams. If you put a good quarterback on the team with a good offense, maybe that defense would really shine. Yeah. Um, I want to say this, Mike. The reason that I've always enjoyed you is because I believe we both subscribe to the Church of Ryan Holiday's "The Obstacle Is the Way." And when I found <laughs> out that you gave that out to the Seattle, you told Seattle about it in New England, it made me excited because when I talked to Sims, I found it shocking that there isn't this amazing accountability, honesty, this pursuit of greatness in every franchises, in every franchise, and it's really in only a few. And I was curious, how many franchises do you truly think are trying to aspire to greatness and have accountability and honesty with the people that are in there? Well, you know, when I first started the league in 1984, uh, my first draft, Bill Walsh told me uh, when I was running around the room and it was 12 rounds, that we're really only competing against eight teams. And that was when it was 28 teams. And I think that that 18 theory is what I've always subscribed to. I've worked for organizations that weren't one of the eight. I've always wanted to get t-shirts made that said we are one of the eight, but uh, I think there's eight teams and that's really all there is. And I think everybody else is, is kidding themselves. Like I don't mean to pick on Jacksonville, but Jacksonville is going to keep kidding themselves that Blake Bortles is the starting quarterback in the NFL. Right. And they'll never be one of the eight as long as they keep, it's not only lying to the employees, it's lying to yourself. And that's that's the number one thing in football that has to step aside. The, the hardest thing to do is to be honest with yourself. Yes. You know, Ryan also has another book, Ego is the Enemy. And if yep. you let your ego get away in terms of making decisions, which a lot of teams do in the league, you're going to make bad ones. Okay. <laughs> well, just feeding off of that and your answer there, I mean, uh, so what are the eight teams that you look at right now and just go – you know what? Because I, I'm with you, and I know Lefko has probably heard me say this. I only feel I was I would have said like six probably. I would have been like, there's really only six teams really pushing the chips into the middle of the table, trying to win it all every year. So let me hear your eight teams, or at least just the ones that come to the top of your head. Well, I, I you know, look, Seattle's a team that comes to the top of my head. I mean, you you play against them, they're competing. I think Baltimore and Pittsburgh, they, yes. they compete every year. Right. I think as strange as it is, I think Cincinnati's one of the eight because. The system has come back to Cincinnati. Cincinnati was always, you know, because of the collective bargaining agreement, they've always let contracts get in the way of their pursuit of their ability to field a good team. When I first started in the league, they always had those problems. Now, because rookies don't hold out in all those areas, right. Cincinnati, because of their stability, their continuity, they're, they're a team you got to beat. And I think when you look at the uh, NFC, you know, I think Arizona's a team that's certainly competing to the highest level that you can I think the Giants are always going to be one of those teams. I don't necessarily think they picked the right head coach for what they're doing, yeah, but I think that they're always an organization that's going to be in the eight. And so, you know, part of being one of the eight is you don't have any internal fights. Bill Walsh always said the civil war is the ugliest war. And a lot of teams in this league have civil wars. I think Minnesota is a good team, for example, that's straightened out 
any conflict within their building, and that's why they're able to succeed. And even though they're five and four, I think for the long haul they can keep going. Yeah, yeah. the Vikings, the Raiders seem to have like ironed it out. Obviously, the, the Patriots the are Dem- the eight. The I think the Raiders have done a good job. I think Mark Davis doesn't get in. I know Reggie McKenzie's popular, get a lot of credit, but I, I don't know if Reggie McKenzie in most organizations would have kept his job, <clears throat> but he did in in Oakland, and that's a tribute to Mark Davis. I mean, Mark Davis, when all the heat was on Reggie to fire him, Mark Davis hung tough and stayed with them. And I think that was really important. I think Mark Davis has taken the best of what his dad did and has utilized that. And he's allowed the other people to fill in where his dad wasn't always the best in terms of change, player development, adapting to the, the to the current state of the NFL. And I think that's why Reggie's been able to be successful. I think the Raiders' success starts with Mark Davis. Yeah, that's cool. That's good to hear. You don't really hear that take too often. You probably put Denver in that class with John Elway running the organization now, too, would you? You know, Denver's always going to be there. Denver has, you know, Denver's trying to win. They compete. And, you know, trying to win and spending money are two different things. (laughs) Some people, I mean, Jacksonville spends money. That doesn't mean they're trying, you know, Jacksonville will spend money on players. Cleveland spends money on players. But I think sometimes it's just getting the organization to the right frame and the right the right structure so then you can win. Um, Sims, it's very funny. We work in a headline culture where if you say a very thoughtful thing with a lot of analysis in it, unfortunately it gets boiled down to one sentence that's put on a website and then tweeted out, and then people argue that one point. And the thing that's followed Sims around for a long time is the Tom Brady notion that he's not a top five quarterback right now. And it's a little bit due to the system, athleticism. And then if you put a guy like a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or an Andrew Luck or a Matt Stafford into the Patriots system, you would see similar results. And I was curious if you could break down percentage wise for me, the percentage of offensive success that is due to Brady that is due to McDaniels, and that is due to Belichick for that offense. Wow, he came with the good questions for you. I haven't even heard him spew this crap out of his mouth before, Mike. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I think, look, I think it all starts with the organization. They have a philosophy of what they want to be offensively, and it's and it's tailored to week to week. And I think that the thing that Belichick does better than anybody is he utilizes the skill set of the players he has and puts them in the right position. That being said, part of Tom's greatness is his intellect and his ability to read coverages and put you in the right place so they run the offense that fits him the Garoppolo offense was completely different and I think there was a time when Tom wasn't throwing the ball as well down the field as he is now I think the throw he made on third and 25 to Julian Edelman was amazing Christopher was it was a great throw and I'm sure there was a time when when that throw like the throw in the championship game in 13 on the over route that he didn't make to Edelman right you know people would look at that and yeah and so I think Tom actually has gotten better because when I first went to the Patriots in 14, you know, they were a running team. They, like Garrett Blunt carried them in the playoffs and they lost in Denver. Right. Now they're a, now they're a counterpunch offense where if you do this, they're going to do that. And I think that Tom's thrown the ball well. He's moving well in the pocket. He is. Uh, moving he, better now than ever. I mean, right? I mean, to me, I, I never he, saw him he, run around and buy time like he did against Seattle the other night on the interception throw. Like he never used to do that stuff. Yeah, and I think you know. I just think to me, it's it's to me, it's the perfect storm in New England. It's the players, the players put in the right system. Bill Walsh always used to say, "We're going to first year we'll teach the players the system. The second year we'll develop the skills within the system." And New England does a great job of developing the skills 
within the system that's tailored for those skills. And I think that's why they're so successful. Yeah, I, I mean, I hard to do, though. It's hard to do. Quarterbacks are a hard position to coach. Everybody wants to run their offense. Mm. Uh, but like I've said to repeatedly on a number of platforms, put Aaron Rodgers in New England and tell me he's no good. Yeah, right. Go ahead, keep Packer fans. T- tell me he's your problem. Put him in New England and let's see how he does there. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's unbelievable. When That's I why hear we that. want Josh McDaniels to be the next yeah, coach of the Green Bay I'd, Packers. I'd like Josh or Kyle Shanahan to go up to Green Bay just so we can shut all that crap up. Uh, and, and I agree with you totally with the Tom Brady thing. I mean, people, I just that was always my point. In 2012, 2013, I was working up there. I mean, he couldn't complete the balls we saw him throw the other night, which I think right now he's throwing the ball like he was in 2007 when they were undefeated. Mm. All right, Mike, here, here's the other thing. Okay, I, there's like two things I want to go with here. Uh, all right, other than Dallas and Seattle, who do you look at as the, the next viable Super Bowl option in the NFC? Who's the other team you look at and go, you know, I think people are sleeping on them or they make a legit run here come December? You know, I, I don't think it's. Let me let's work backwards. Everybody thinks because the Giants are six and three, everybody wants to be uh, a rom- romanticized about their Super Bowl teams. But this team is nothing like any other Super Bowl teams. They're not good enough in the offensive line. They can't run the football. They're bad on on any of the offensive categories. They're down six points this year from where they were last year. Yes. Eli's had a worse year this year than they did last year, and it's the old adage. To me, and I talked about this on the podcast, on our podcast called Make Me Smarter Podcast, football podcast, Yeah, uh, where I talked about it, where really they've gotten worse at two positions. They're no longer as good at head coach, right. and they're no longer a good at coordinator because McAdoo has to do both jobs mm. now, and they're not as effective. So I don't see that. I think the Redskins are really good offensively, but their defense, to me, it leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. And the Eagles, to me, are really good on defense. I'm not sure they're going to be good enough on the road on offense. So that would cover the East. The East there. The North. I know. The North, I don't like any team in the North. Right. And the South. The South, I thought New Orleans was getting better on defense, which they are. Yes. Yeah. They're in the top. They're, t- they're, they're the sixth rank overall defense on third down in the red zone, which is what they have to be because teams are going to move the ball on the Saints. Where the Saints have to win games is with their red zone third down. They've got to play good in the red zone, and they got to win the four point plays. And they're and they're sixth in the league in that category, so that makes them a little bit dangerous. All right, so let's get to the and Falcons. then the West. Are, do, are you the know, Falcons but the Falcons viable? defense, the Falcons defense to me is always going to be their Achilles heel. And I think when they play outdoors in a playoff atmosphere, I think what you saw in Philadelphia is the Achilles heel of the Falcons offense. Pressure them inside, Benny Logan, Fletcher Cox, right. Force Matt Ryan to have to step up those guards, whether it's Chester or Andy Levine. The guards, they, they struggle to block really good inside tackles. Yes. I think it's a problem for them. And then I think the West is it's Seattle and, and Arizona if they get their act together. But to me, I think it's just really a, two, a two-team race. I think it's Seattle and Dallas. Okay, so all right. Just yeah, I think oops. Saints and Washington are the annoying teams come playoff time. Yeah, I, well, we'd be viewing the Saints totally different if it weren't for a block extra point. We'd all be going, watch out for the Saints yeah. right now. Uh, uh, all right, so. Uh, but I still think you have to watch out for the Saints because, look, they're five and they're four and five. If they can win tomorrow night, yes. you know, they get Atlanta again, and they're going to put points on the board. They get Tampa again. I mean, Atlanta's no walk to win every game because, look, they've got a great offense, and I think Kyle Shanahan's done a marvelous job. But there's liabilities within their team, yes. offensively and defensively. Yeah, I, I agree. That was the thing that jumped out to me when I watched the Eagles game. You, you kind of hit on it. Is Benny Logan and Fletcher Cox ruined first down for the Atlanta Falcons. They ruined it. They were in second and ten the whole game. 
And Kyle gets you, when he gets you in second and five, the whole playbook's open and you're right. screwed as a defense. And that was taken away. Right. And, 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 that, and, that's where, and that's where I thought the Bengals lost the game the other night. I thought the Bengals' second down play calling was really bad. The Giants are the number one defense in the National Football League on second down pass defense. So the Giants have an ability to play good on pass defense on second down. But I think that you can. There's areas where you can exploit them, but the Bengals just did a bad did job. Did you look that stat up, or did somebody look that stat up for you? <laughs> did I, I look it up? You that, want to see my notes every week? I I'll do. I'm fascinated because I think everyone covers the NFL in a very similar way, and to be looking up second down pass coverage statistics is a different way. Well, to look listen, at it. I like that. he's freaking Mike Lombardi. I know Bill this. Belichick's his best friend for a reason. It's not because Mike's an idiot and he's going, hey, Mike, you know, you're just such that Italian charm. I just want to <laughs> hang out with you a lot. <laughs> well, I I believe in the adage. Look, I I think that you know the game. The game is a simplistic game to the fans, but the game, as Christopher will tell you, playing in it and having been involved with it, it's chess on grass. And I think that the teams that understand it can handle it, and handle it really well. Like, I think Baltimore's a sleeping giant, and I'll give you a reason why. Baltimore, I know that. their offense stinks, but Baltimore, for example, they, they only allow 3.3 yards per rush Right now, if you take the 85 yarder that I think Duke Johnson got against him, yeah, I think I, it was Johnson. It, it was. Crow- no, it was, okay. uh, it was Crowell. It was week two. I was announcing the game. It was Crowell. Okay, right. it was Crowell. He ran for 85 yards. You take that rush out, and they're down to two. They only give up teams 2.7 yards a carry. They're the best first down team on defense in the NFL. Right. So when you're good on first down, when you don't give up big plays, they're second in the National Football League on not allowing big plays. And when you can rush the passer, which they can do, mm-hmm. then you've got a really good defense. And Baltimore's good in the kicking game. Their kicker hasn't missed a kick all season. Best kicker in football. Hasn't missed a kick all season. So you better be. You better can't fall asleep on Baltimore. I'm so glad you said that because I've actually been saying that. I said that to Lefko right before you got on here and because I'm picking the Ravens to beat the Cowboys this weekend just because I think they match up well and I think the Cowboys are due for a letdown game. But I'm glad to hear you say that. Now, when you dive into the AFC, any other sleeping giants there? Just, you know, of course we know about New England. The entire AFC West. But thoughts about, yeah, the West, Kansas City, of course, Oakland, Denver. What's your thoughts on on some of those teams? Well, I think think Denver, there's certain teams that are kind of mirror each other. New England mirrors Atlanta. New England has issues defensively, just like Atlanta does. And if New England doesn't straighten out their defensive issues, they're not going to be playing for the conference championship game. I mean, Pete Wood, Russell Wilson, really a good player, but they he had too many throws that were just too easy. It was pitch and catch for Russell Wilson on, yeah. on, on Sunday night. I think when you look over, I think the North is going to only bring one team. I think Pittsburgh's stubbing their toe in Miami. Do you realize that Miami's ahead of Pittsburgh in the playoff seedings right now? <laughs> yes. I find that hard to believe, but they are. Uh, Pittsburgh has too much inconsistency. They're really good offensively, and if they would stop trying to run trick on plays, and just run their offense, right. I think they could be really dynamic. Uh, and then the West, for me, it's all about turnovers with, with Kansas City. That's why they win. They turn the thing over. They don't try to. They don't mess it up. They don't lose games. I think the Raiders have too many penalties, and I think when they play against the upper echelon teams, can they actually dominate? Now, they played well, and they played a pace in a game against, the, against Denver that they have to play. And for me, Denver – is is really not going to be good enough on offense. I what, think Denver's going to stub their toe. What about yeah. the Titans? Is there any validity there? I think the Titans are a good team. I think they play hard. I think they play physical. They can run the football. I think Mariota's playing better. 
just don't think they have a lot of speed on the outside. Yeah. I think you could really you could really make them have to throw the ball outside the numbers. I think they're going to have a little bit of a trouble, little trouble. I think Arakpo has played really well this year defensively. Yeah. But if you know how to attack Bobo's scheme, which some coordinators do in the league, I think you can. But mm. look, uh, disappointing for me is I thought Tennessee was going to win the South. I still think they can win the South. Right. However, when they lost at home to Indianapolis, that was disappointing because they shouldn't lose at home to Indianapolis. Their offensive, their defensive line should dominate Indianapolis's offensive line. All right, I got one more question for you. You have clearly had success in the National Football League. You are kicking ass right now when it comes to this media game. Are you trying to get back in the league, or are you enjoying being Johnny Media? No, I'm done. I, I, I really, when I left the Patriots this year, it was I left because I was done. I'm, I've had enough. I, I think it's the league's been. I've been fortunate enough to work for Al Davis. I've been fortunate enough to work for Bill Walsh. I worked for Bill Belichick. I have a lot of experience working with people. I think the league really doesn't want experienced people running their teams now. I think they'd rather have a committee, and, and I believe that you know you've never dedicated a monument to a committee ever. So <laughs> the committees, the committee theory doesn't really work, and and I and I think this will work better for me. So I'm enjoying doing this, and I'm going to do this for hopefully for the next ten years, and and keep watching games and keep learning about football. Yeah. All right, I have one more psychological question that I discussed with some of my friends, and I asked this question to Ryan Holiday, and he didn't have an answer. And my question is, when you get it, when you see the big picture, and you have to deal on a regular basis with people that don't see it, how do you deal with that? Well, I think that's a really challenge, and I think sometimes what you do is, is you find out that, that you're better off just avoiding it because you can't teach everybody everything, and it's a lot harder, especially when people think they have the answer already in mind. I, you know, there's a rule in scouting. You never begin with the end in mind, and oftentimes uh, it's hard to explain it. I think the challenging thing to be in personnel is to try to explain the pro game to college scouts. Now, you might say that's ridiculous, but I think that's a real challenge. I don't yeah. think they don't understand the college game. I think they see co- they don't understand the pro game and how it affects it. So for me, it's the path of least resistance. And I think you just have to find people in an organization. You have certain levels of people in the organization that move up based on their level of knowledge. But I think it's a complete challenge uh, to do that. And, and it's hard to have somebody see it. It goes back to this. Adam, and I think this is the only way to really evaluate it, is there's four kind of scouts. And this is by Tony Lucadella, who, who was a scout for the Philadelphia Phillies. He found Mike Schmidt. He's from Fostoria, Ohio. There was a great book about him called Prophet of the Sandlot. And he defined scouts in four categories, the four Ps. The poor scout, the guy who can't see anything. The picker scout, the guy that picks on one thing and won't let it go. Picks on the, just the one area. The production scout, you know, he gained 40 yards on four carries. He did this. And then the projection scout, the scout that can see something today and project it forward. And there's very few projection scouts. So to me, it's a difficult world to live in. Yeah. Awesome. You can follow him on Twitter, M Lombardi Fox TV. You could subscribe to his podcast in addition to ours, Make Me Smarter Football Podcast. And he is on all the time on Fox Sports. Mike, do me a favor. Please say hi to Nick Wright. I once hosted a five-hour NFL draft radio show with him at Syracuse. And uh, I I listen to your podcast, and it's been awesome, man. I I really enjoy it. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Thank you, Christopher. Hey, you know him, Mike. I'll see you, man. I'll talk to you. Be good. You're the man. Thanks for coming on. Bye-bye. See you, man. Um, Bye-bye. 
He's awesome. He is awesome. He's just an endless book of knowledge. We went 20 minutes with him. Fendrick would have never allowed that. Uh, well, I'm so glad. This Me is too. the perfect time for Fendrick not to be Nick here. allows it. Hell Nick, yeah. Nick, this idiot we got an Orlando Magic winter hat. <laughs> Why would Orlando I'm Magic sweating. even make a winter hat? I don't even know. <laughs> but they've made it. But what were you going to say about Lombardi? He's just an endless. Yeah, that's the thing I love about Mike. He always has a, a quote, a something to draw the back on. Of quotes that he draws. He's amazing. And I, I, my conversations with him, wherever they may be, like we haven't talked to each other on the phone a whole lot lately uh, because we're both living in the same world. And I think at the end of the day, we're just sick of talking. But um, when I do talk to him, I think the last time I talked to him was about 10 days ago on like a random Wednesday night. And they're my favorite conversations of the week. I mean, they really are. I just because uh, it's just talking ball. Yeah. We can say things that we saw that we know nobody else is going to see. Yeah. He always is going to teach me something. He always going to bring up an angle like, huh. You know, like, how about that? Like, the Baltimore stat. I mean, like, we think we're in the weeds. He's an underground tunnel in yes. the weeds. He's underneath weeds in a tunnel down by, that like, dude a, must live a on rabbit NFL. den. So there's a website that we use. We call it NFL Jesus, but it's really NFL GSIS. Right. Uh, he must be living on there. Well, that, and who knows who he's getting breakdowns yeah. from, too. He's probably getting New England's breakdowns. Things I too. learned there was there's the great eight teams, the NFL. I don't know if I agreed with all of his. Um because, I, I, I mean, are the Eagles in there? I think the Eagles are in there in terms well, of teams that are pursuing it. But greatness. But there is there has been issues there in the past. Maybe they are now. He's just yes. saying this is teams that we've seen for a few years You're now who right. are approaching it. The other way. thing that I thought was interesting was I asked him the percentage of offensive success. He went right to Belichick. He said the team. It's the system. It's the organization. Yes. Right. We're only going to realize that you're going to be vindicated when Brady's gone and the offense is still killing it. Well, I, I know. I you know that's that's the only thing. And listen, I like Tom Brady. I'm just I, I just trying to explain to oh, people. And Mike Lombardi just followed me on Twitter. I just it's official. We're friends now. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain to people that that is an unstoppable machine up there yes. at times. And he is playing better now. This, I've said it a million times to you. I just got to say it again. That was the issue. That's where my Tom Brady not in the top five really mm. started was the Denver AFC Championship game, the one they lost the first time. Now yes. last year, yes. the year Denver went and got killed by the Seattle Seahawks. Yes. They ran the ball to get there. They won disp- in, in, dis- spite of. in spite of Tom Brady. Yes. Tom Brady was an issue that year. You know, Bill, Bill Belichick's not going to come out and go, Tom Brady's really average. That's a problem right now. Yeah. That's right. That was the issue. The year I was there when we lost to the Ravens, Brady was, I'm not going to say the weak link, but he was, he's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks mm. in football, and they based their team around him performing that way, and he wasn't performing that way. Yeah. So, uh, did you see the Brady Foot Locker commercial? You know, yet? I haven't really heard it yet. I know the gist of it, and yeah. cool for him for attacking it's, that. That's the Foot Locker thing. They take, like, they did D'Angelo Russell. Oh, Remember, he sent out the video, and then right. he was like, yo, you're my advice. Just don't use your phone. Uh, I saw a commercial today with Ja Rule where he was like, yeah, man, it's hard being famous for a really long time, and it turns out he's like an Uber driver. Uh, <laughs> Foot Locker has done a really good job of making fun of that. But, yeah, Brady going out there. And he, in the commercial, he's like, something that never happened. So yes. that was interesting. Yes. Um, uh, really quick, the Jared Goff thing, he's playing now. I said to you, why play him against the Dolphins when you can wait one week and play him <laughs> against the Saints? And you said, what does it matter? My thing is I'd rather him face the Saints defense than Indomitian Sue. Yes. Um, why now, I guess? Uh, <laughs> I don't really know why now. I don't even have a logical answer for you other than I just got to think that 
the offensive coordinator. I got. I really think Kroenke must have gotten mm. involved here. He's listening to it. I know he was super excited, Kroenke, about the prospects of what Jared Goff could yeah, be. Yeah, it was about taking the number one pick right. and going to this new city in this in this stadium. And I will say this to anyone that goes, "Oh, he, he's not ready. He wasn't ready, really," because the entire draft process, all I heard about was Carson Wentz is going to be a project. He's coming from North Dakota. He can't handle the big lights. He's the project. Jared Goff's the one that look at him under pressure. Look at him throwing it all over the place. He's the man at Cal. He's ready to go day one. And I'm a firm believer that if this doesn't work out, Snead or Fisher's got to go. They got to go. I'm with you. Because if you were the one selling us that the reason you took off is he was more NFL ready and you're hesitant to put him in in week 11, you gots to go. This This is about false propaganda. You sold us something. It wasn't true. Who's going to be responsible for it? Yeah. And it's not Jared Goff's fault. No, it's not. It's his never fault. the quarterback's fault. No, ever. It's never the guy who gets drafted high. It's fault. not their fault. It's you. It's not Marcus Smith's fault right. that you took him in the first round. Right. He was a third or fourth round player. It's not his fault. Yeah. It's whoever drafted him. Exactly right. So my thing is, if you're if you're going to spew this bullshit that Jared Goff was never going to be ready. Then you lied to us, so now pay atonement for your lies. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go through. Um, oh man, we have so many things to do. Okay, we're really behind. Yes, this that was a ten-minute conversation about Von Miller's <laughs> okay. sex tape. Uh, let us do guaranteed to lose first. No, no, uh, top five quarterbacks. Your okay. quarterbacks last week. You went Carson Wentz five, Luck Forge, Breeze three, Russell Wilson two, Matt Ryan one. Where are you going this week? Top five quarterbacks. Number five. No, we number, gotta go fast. We okay, fast. number five. Yes. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. It was all him. It was Coming all him. It was unbelievable. He leads, you know, he was second on the team in rushing, ran for a twenty yard touchdown. It was a hard week actually for me to look for that definitive like four or five guy. Uh. So I went with the guy that was just Carrying his freaking team. Number four. Number four. He lost as well, but he was unbelievable. We talked about him already. His name is Ben, and he's big. Oh. Okay? He was phenomenal. Oh. Yes, he was amazing. He made a number of big-time plays. The spike was dumb in terms of time. Right. But it was amazing in terms of being a baller. Yeah, certainly. And the whole game, he was a baller. He yes. really was. Number uh, three. Number three. Another loser, but they don't even... They're not in this game if it isn't for his ability in this game. Drew Brees. Three losers. Yo, Brees, that throw to Cooks? Holy All shit. his throws. I mean, we watched that game and because we were talking about it, about the back shoulder throws yes. when we were watching. I mean, they were, they were locked down, those receivers. Yeah. And he just kept making nice throws Man. to where they could catch it and the DBs couldn't, Against couldn't do anything. Against the Denver defense. Against the Denver defense. Number right. two. Number two. This is a guy that is not getting enough credit for how well he's playing football right now. You gonna say Ryan Tannehill? No, oh. he's 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 probably another one. But this guy has actually been putting Marcus up Marcus Mariota. Yes, tell it's, me. I was gonna ask how how real is this? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, because my thing is, is when I see Delaney Walker do what he did, and I see a Demarco Murray throwing touchdown, I go, all right, how much is this gimme gimme gadget? Sure. Okay. Well, l- let's just talk about it. Like, uh, I'll be Michael Lombardi. Let's go in reverse first. Okay. Yeah. Jacksonville t- the three weeks ago on the Thursday night game. He was amazing. You go out to San Diego. They couldn't run the ball at all. He was pretty damn good. Yeah. He threw for, I think, four touchdowns, but he threw two interceptions as well. So turnovers are an issue, but they were in the game because of him and throwing the football. Okay. Okay. Last week, all we see is the DeMarco Murray run the first play of the yes. game. 
the rest of the game was Marcus Mariota. That was 80 yards. DeMarco Murray only ran for 121. So wow. that's 40 extra yards to the rest of the game. He was phenomenal in the game. The plays you even saw to Delaney Walker, the, some of the catches he had, yeah. was pretty good coverage. He threw the ball really well. Mm. He's becoming a natural quarterback. Uh, I was going to say, we said in a video earlier this week, I said Carson Wentz is one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in recent years. And someone came up to me and said, what about Mariota? Is Mariota trending higher than, let's say, a Wentz? Is he trending around a Jameis? Like, I don't, where do you put him now? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to quite put him there yet. I mean, he's got a lot of things that help him in his favor, but Mariota also does things that maybe they don't. he doesn't get credit for, like a Cam Newton on the stat book. Like, they have a few design runs for him every game, and you have to be worried about defending that. he can that. take it 50. Exactly right. So you have to worry. That's part of the greatness of Marcus Mariota. How's his throwing motion? It's, it's, good. it's good. It's been more natural. Am I like, whoa, look at this and ball? he's never really had solid weapons. Uh, exactly His best right. weapon is a tight end. Delaney Walker's the best weapon on the team. And is your number one Russell Wilson? Uh, of course. How unbelievable. Unreal. I mean, I know Mike says he... I know what Mike's saying when they gave him some slam dunk throws. Like, they played some... They played man-to-man on a few certain situations where I would have gone, eh, it's third down at Seattle. Their offense isn't very good. I wouldn't give Russell Wilson the chance to throw a one-on-one ball. Why does everyone do this with I, Seattle? I, I don't know. I think I, I'm, Are they worried about him running the football? I think everybody really evaluates their receivers, and they go, we can lock him down, uh, and we can keep an extra guy to spy on Russell in case he wants to run on third mm. and fourth. That's what I, at least when I look at it all the time. Why don't they just do a contained rush? I don't, they could do a lot of things, but regardless, I'll say this just to defer from Mike a little bit um, because I know Mike's not high on the Patriots. The Patriots did a lot of stuff on defense. They rushed three. They rushed two. They all out blitzed them. They did everything. I mean, just think about his play before the half. He drove them down for a touchdown before the half. Okay, now there's 15 seconds left in the half. They drop eight in the coverage. They get pressure on him. He spins out the back door and throws a touchdown pass across the field to Doug Baldwin. He was phenomenal in the game. Yes. It's quickly how he goes from injured to healthy faster than anybody. Some of these guys, it takes like three weeks. Russell Wilson's like, oh, no, what injury? Never had it. He has has Jesus water, doesn't Uh, he? You went... Uh, two and one in guaranteed to lose last week. You I lost the Seahawks, Seattle. 49ers, Browns, Seahawks. You're now 24 and six on the season. You're three teams guaranteed to lose. Oh, going back to a staple, a staple, a staple. San Francisco? No. Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. I don't give a damn. Cleveland? How bad Pittsburgh's playing? They're still going to whoop you. Sorry. Man, Ben Roethlisberger, 700 yards? I mean, it's going to be 400. I would. I, I would, hope so. Fantasy team. I would. I would think <laughs> Next so. Next team, guaranteed. To guaranteed lose. to lose. Oh, Tommy's going to San Francisco. Oh man, he's going back. He's home. going home. He's going home. He's, he's going, going home. home. He's going home. We don't need to talk about that. And oh, the third team, come on. Guaranteed. Wait, we don't need to talk about. No, Patriots, I was just no. saying. Yeah. Come on, like okay. you're gonna lose. Third team, guaranteed to guaranteed. lose. Yo ho, yo ho, the Pirates' life for me. Were they playing? James the Winston's playing oh. the Chiefs in. Kansas City. Five interceptions. He's going to lose. Marcus gonna Peters, lose. three picks. <laughs> I mean, it could be. It's just. Jameis will throw it up, and Peters is going to go to him. Yeah, well, they can't They can't win unless he throws it up. So that's the problem. Like, that's where I, like, I've even had another friend. It's like, oh, I don't, you know, Jameis always makes like a mistake or two every game. And I go, well, because if Jameis doesn't to. throw like seven bombs a game, they can't really win. They can't run the ball very effectively. And Adam Are Humphrey's, you picking like yeah, belly, button, belly button crap? I mean, that's unbelievable. That's, Why is that that's gross? That's unbelievable. During a podcast. Other thing too. Worse. What's worse, prick it in the ear 
picking a nose or picking a belly button. Well, I the, ain't say the nose is the worst. I mean, yeah. The nose belly is Belly buttons, whatever. Belly button. It's just this switch. It might be second, actually. I'd actually rather see you pick your ear. I don't know. That's wax. Yeah, but your yeah. belly button's got like sweaty, crusty left coat crap gonna... in there. Um, Yo, you want that left coat crap? <laughs> but other thing too that scares me about the Bucks is their defense against that Chiefs. I know uh, Alex Smith, but it's still weapons. They do a lot of stuff, and the Bucks defense ain't very good. Uh, last week we each went two and four. Um, we, oh my God, <laughs> we both picked New Orleans. They lost. We both picked New England. They lost. We both picked Atlanta over Philly. They lost. Mm. I'm no longer picking against Philly at home. Uh, we both we both picked Dallas over Pitt. I got Washington over Minnesota. You got Kansas City over Carolina. Um, of the two, I was closer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So he has given us one, two, three, four, five matchups. Uh, I have not made my picks yet, so I'm going to pick it on the fly. Okay. Baltimore at Dallas. I know you're going Baltimore. I'm going Baltimore. So I'm going to go for the Dallas pick. Here okay. Good. Because I think that uh, I'm going to go with the better team, but. Sleeping giant, Michael Lombardi said. But I am going to say that I, I might. <laughs> That's what Giants do. I might bet my uh, my actual money on Baltimore. I think that's a really nice. Did line. you say the spread was seven points? Seven. What? That was Baltimore is perceived as a loser. Yeah. Dallas is the best team in the NFL. Yeah. And they're at home. Seven points. People don't realize. I might make the bet right now. Tyler, I'm texting you. I'm going to Venmo you money. Uh, next one up, he picked, he picked Arizona at Minnesota. I am picking Arizona. Sims, this is hilarious. You are 0 and 10. When oh, pick, and nine, 0 and 9 when picking Vikings games this year. Whether yeah. you pick them to win or lose, you're 0 and 9. I can't so get you know, them. Who are you picking this week? Arizona. I should pick the Vikings. <laughs> I am picking Arizona. The Vikings, to me, I heard that this is, this is the, the first Eagles thing we pick, have to say. The Eagles pick that they have to send to Cleveland is currently the 20th pick. The Minnesota pick they're getting back right now is the 19th pick. Oh, they traded a first-round pick. It was so worth it. We're getting a better pick right now because <laughs> the, the fighting Bradfords. And you know what people don't even realize about this matchup? Arizona Cardinals defense, number two. Minnesota number Vikings, two. number three. Wow. That's what people don't realize. People and who does it come down? I would rather have Carson Palmer and those guys than Minnesota. Yeah, exactly right. I, and I Stephon Diggs getting Arizona's got a targets. few weapons to take advantage of that. And it, David Johnson compared to Matt Asiata. But what scares me, again, is like... Arizona. Of course it's scary. They're both underachievers. Man, Arizona's a mess every week. I mean, they let they dominated the game last week and let San Francisco sit in there until the very end. Green Bay at Washington. I am going my favorite sleeper, Washington. You love the Redskins. I, I do. I'm going Washington, too. Uh, I'm curious what the lines are. In these Green games. Bay is – these are two teams trending in opposite directions. Washington is currently two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, what was the game we talked about this before? Arizona is – a pick em. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and then the next game, so we're both picking. Uh, you're picking Washington as I well? I am picking Washington. Uh, Houston at Oakland and Mexico. Mexico. Houston Tejanos against Los Raiders de Oakland. Uh. I am going to go with Oakland. I am too. I think this game's going to be. Oakland is five and a half point favorites. Oh, I think this game will be really close. I think so too. Houston matches up good with the, the Raiders. They're going to have the secondary to slow down the pass game. The only thing I look at their defense is a little concerning with Houston's defense versus Oakland is 
Houston, even like with their pass rush, it's good. They rely on overpowering you with Clowney, Merciless. They're not going to be able to do that to the Raiders. So I think he'll have enough time to finally get Cooper open and stuff down the field. I do worry about the Raiders uh, stopping the Texans' Raiders run defense. Are, Raiders are undefeated on the road. But go to Mexico it City. It doesn't even matter. At the end of the day, I'm just picking Derek Carr over Brock Osweiler. I mean, Brock Osweiler stinks. Stinks. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, last game. The Denver, I mean, the Houston Texans would be so much better with Brian Hoyer. Oof. Or Tom Savage. I mean, but uh, yeah, whatever. But Brian Hoyer, we've seen. Brian Hoyer, we've seen. I mean, they. they I would really. Brian be s- Hoyer, though, he can't stay healthy. No, he. We've cannot. seen it, yeah. and that's a not fact. a real big guy. Uh, Philadelphia at Seattle is the last game. Yep. This year, I feel like the Eagles are undefeated when I pick against them, and they are winless when I pick them, except for the Chicago game. Mm-hmm. I am picking Seattle. Right. I just think the Eagles are a different team on the road, and I think Seattle's clicking right now. And the Seattle against an aggressive defense, I feel like they can take advantage. It's the defenses that sit back there, and Seattle has to make something happen. Uh, and C.J. Procise can be a problem. I'm picking Seattle. This is a tough one. I'm, Why is it tough? Uh, I'm actually picking the Philadelphia Eagles. Stop I am. It. I just think, uh, listen, there's, there's my rhymes or reasons. Here I'll go. It's just... Seattle's coming off the biggest win of their year. I mean, so they're flying home. Everybody's telling them how great they are. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is I'm still not sold on the Seattle offensive line, and Benny Logan and Fletcher Cox are the best duo in football. So I'm that's a little scary. I'm kind of picking Seattle just because I want the Eagles to Right. I, I figured that by your little breakdown there. I think Schwartz <laughs> is going to be smart <laughs> enough to not let, like, some of the one-on-one situations we've seen Russell Wilson get. I don't know. And I just think, like, uh, you know, listen, I have a little more faith in your offense than, like, Mike Lombardi does and everybody else. I really do. I I wanted to ask him that because I heard Lombardi say he would take Dak Prescott over Wentz, and I was going to mm. go there, but I didn't want to keep him any longer. Yeah. Uh, which the only I, thing I'm going to disagree with is the Eagles are coming off of their biggest win of the year over the Atlanta Falcons. Agreed, yeah. And I would also say that having focused on Doriel Green-Beckham, Jordan Matthews, and Nelson Aguilar, mm-hmm. if Earl Thomas does what he did to Gronk to that any of awesome. them, they might not exist anymore. Right. They might evaporate. I'm, I'm hoping you guys, I would think you guys can run the ball on them a hair. Just enough. I really do. It'll be interesting. So uh, I'm, I'm, There's always that game every week where I go, how, well, this doesn't make any sense. Yes. So yes. I, that's the game I'm going with. All right. Make so no we sense. are disagreeing. I am taking Seattle hosting the Eagles, and I am taking Dallas hosting the Ravens. Got to be honest here, Nick. Liking my aunt. Uh, <laughs> a few quick injuries before we go. These are injuries that have come out today to keep in mind. Teron Arbstead out again for the Saints this Thursday night as they take on the Panthers. But the Panthers, yes, Michael Orr is out yet again. Mm. A lot of offensive line issues for both teams. Cam Hayward out for the season for the Steelers. An enormous injury for Pittsburgh. That, it's interesting, Pittsburgh and Green Bay may be missing the playoffs for the first time. Uh, Marcel Darius is limited in practice. Stories out of Buffalo is that they're super mad at him because because he has not stayed healthy during his suspension. And some want to part ways with him, according to our Jason Cole. Good, good luck with that. Uh, Justin Houston could practice this week. Brandon Albert's going to be out two to three weeks. Laramie Tunsil moves to left tackle. Yeah. We'll be very interesting to see how they handle the Rams. The Dolphins are one of those teams that could be a problem in the playoffs if they get there with the makeup of their team. Yeah. Um, and then Robert Quinn was hospitalized for a non-football illness released to a, a possible seizure, uh, but it's going to be an interesting week. It really is. I'm picking the Saints to beat Carolina in Carolina. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think that'll be a shootout tomorrow. This night. would be the the death toll. To this the is Panthers. well, yeah, probably they're dead already. I don't really even you think care. They're already dead. I, I do. I mean, they dominated the Chiefs and blew that game to a degree. 
To a degree. Okay. Let me. I'll just say this, Lefko. Like when we were watching TV, I was kind of on your thought yeah. too. They really got dominated. They just have Cam Newton. That's all it is. Oh, some of his throws. Oh, um, they were just all he over. He throws through people's faces. Exactly. I mean, and then his running. His he's healthy. He's his running is what's making them go as well. I mean, man. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was actually amazed when I watched that film. I mean, other than his stupid interception. You get to the lines in the NFL right now. They're starting to get bigger. New England 13, Seattle 6.5, Kansas City 7.5, Giants 7.5. We're getting to the time of the year where we're figuring it out. There's not a ton of storylines anymore. That's why you got to stick here with the Sims and Lefko podcast. Sims watches the film. I say dumb shit. And then we get Mike Lombardi on to break it down. Pretty good. <laughs> Nick, you were the man. Uh, Sims, you're great as always. Thanks. Nick, you're okay. Uh, Fendrick, I hope you're out there. I'll see you in Norfolk, Virginia very soon. Uh, for everybody out there, continue to subscribe. We love you. Uh, share this. Leave a rating. Follow us on Twitter, at Sims and Lefko. Hit me up, at Adam Lefko or Sims, at CSimsQB. You guys are great, and we will holler at you. Episode 90. 90. Coming up next week. Peace out, homies. It's going to be the Thanksgiving episode, so we'll make it nice and juicy to listen to while you eat your turkey. Ooh, yummy. Have a great night, everybody. Peace out, homies. Peace out.